welcome to Habits and Hope, the podcast that is not about perfection. It is about being purposeful to be who God intended us to be, joyful and fulfilled. We're back with Sarah this week. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Trish. I'm glad to be here. Uh, We're super excited. We, of course, always bring Sarah in when we want to talk about money because she is our money guru. Well, last week we kicked off the kind of Bible versus the world, what the Bible says versus what the world says. And so we're going to, I guess, tackle that again today, right? (laughs) Yep. Sounds good to me. I'm ready. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. So uh, one of the first concepts that I put, I guess, would be about ownership. And so when we talk about ownership with you know, material goods and so forth. The I would what would you say, I guess, the world says about ownership? Do you do you have thoughts on that, Sarah? Yeah. Oh, I always have thoughts, Trisha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that um the society that we live in is so it trains us to be very self-centered and self-focused and internalize everything. So I think that we're conditioned to believe that we're in control of everything, including our possessions, our wealth. Um, To me, it seems like the conversation doesn't include God or his provision at all. It's all about, hey, look at what you can do kind of thing. Yeah. and, and And I think that I think technology has influenced that, to be honest. I think that we feel like we've we've surpassed what God created, but we can't create any of those things without the things that God gives us, you know, we can't try and build a car without, I mean, even the, um, you know, plastics and so forth, which is prominent in everything, you know, my husband laughs about when he used to work in the oil field and he was in the oil field when the deep water horizon happened, which was very unfortunate. Um, no, he was not on it. Thank goodness. However, I did watch the movie after he after he got out of the oil field, and I was like, "Your whole position and rig and everything was exactly like Mark Wahlberg's." You told me you were totally in a totally different space, but uh, yeah, he could have been Mark Wahlberg in that movie. But um, afterwards, there were a lot of people protesting the oil fields, and you know, he was just shaking his head because, of course, you know the oil the the crude oil comes down from the you know depths of the ocean or wherever it comes from obviously from the earth and and the originating from what god gives us but he's like they're out there in their plastic kayaks protesting the oil uh-huh. which those plastic kayaks come from the same stuff that we're mining for you know you can't have the plastic cars you can't have the plastic um kayaks you can't have all that stuff without it all coming back down to the things that god gives us and if we ran out we wouldn't have those things so we can think that we've surpassed i guess you know like okay well god gave us maybe this you know earth and i know some people don't even give him that glory but but look at all the things that we as people have done but we can't do any of those things without those parts or even just the knowledge and the the ideas and the wisdom and so forth well, and think about it too. So we're, we're told to love. Well, he made us to love. So if it True. weren't for the fact that he, if he hadn't created us to love, how would we have been able to love? Right. And it's like, we're supposed to seek him. Well, he made us with that desire to seek him. So it's like every, regardless of how big or how little it is, it all flows from him. And Yeah, it's it's interesting to me about the whole plastic debate and all that, because we a lot of times we just don't see the forest for the trees. We don't recognize that we're in the midst of hypocrisy all the time. (laughs) Yes, unfortunately, it's very easy to do. And and, and you have a good point, too, even about the love. I mean, you think about it. If we didn't have that innate moral compass, thank goodness they instilled us, we could have destroyed ourselves a long time ago. The whole country, like the whole world. We could potentially have been gone. So yeah, for sure. (laughs) We can destroy ourselves pretty well, even with a moral compass. So, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) Um, and and of course, you know, the Bible says that, you know, I think I I underlined the best verse, I think was, you know, Psalm 24, one, you know, one of David's Psalms, of course, that, you know, that the earth is the Lord's, everything in it, the world, all the people, everything belongs to him. And there's, 
there's quite a few verses there that you could also read Exodus 19:5, Job 41:11, and 1 Timothy 4 um, 3 through 5. But the the bottom line is the Bible reminds us over and over again like you can't have what you have without God. God created everything. I mean, even think about even the oxygen and the atmosphere and all these things that none of that could really exist and how quickly we can be reminded. I know I've experienced it when you go through a natural storm and um, or a natural disaster, you can very quickly realize how feeble we are and how subject we are to God just saying, I'm not saying he like destroys things necessarily. There's, there's more to it, but you know, like suddenly things can be just wiped away. And I've literally seen, you know, homes that were 200 years old wiped away. And, and so nothing reminds like he's, he's bigger. He's bigger than all of it. Well, and that's, that's something that the enemy wants us to forget. Uh, You know, he, especially when it comes to finances and, He wants us to forget that God provides everything to us and that we don't have to be fearful. We don't have to be desperate. God knows what we need before we need it. And the enemy just tries to, he just tries to get in there and ruin, (laughs) ruin everything and completely get us off course and out of focus with God. Um, And it's unfortunate, but yeah, I mean, I don't, I know what you're saying about the disasters and God, I think God is so gracious and merciful and good that he gives us so many opportunities despite what we do. And then all of a sudden it's almost like you have to be reminded. I have to be reminded. Okay. God is in control. It's not me. Everything's been clicking along. Great. Yeah. But ultimately he is the one it's his will, not mine. And I've never seen people more humbled quicker than when you get, they go through something like that. And it's unfortunate and it may sound, you know, I, I guess it could sound bad to some people, but you know, it's all for greater good. It's it, the, the, this earth is not our eternal home. It's not mm-hmm. our intended eternal home. And so what's more important is that we make it to that eternity. And so I believe whatever it takes, honestly. So, um, Okay, so then, um, and this is a big one. I mean, I th- and I think this goes hand in hand. So, so first, reminding ourselves that God owns everything is huge. And I think we kind of need to remind ourselves of that at least once a week, maybe every day. But, <laughs> and that's part of being even, you know, grateful and, and having that gratitude. So number two would be not loving material goods, money, and et cetera. And I know you already kind of said, you know, it's like, get what you can get. <laughs> Just grab it all up. So what are your thoughts on, on that, that, on what the world says, I guess, first? Yeah. So the world would tell us that satisfaction and personal fulfillment can come through the acquisition of material goods. Um, that's my take on it. That's what I see when I look at the world and the conditioning that's happening. And you mentioned social media earlier, I think, and it's, that is a breeding ground. It's like a Petri dish for just the worst. It it brings out the worst part of us as humans, I think. And it's a feeding ground for the enemy. And suddenly we, you know, we compare ourselves to everyone And instead of seeing the abundance in our life, we start to think of everything as, as lacking, like, oh, we don't have what this person has. And so there's this, I think the world just tries to convince us that satisfaction is not going to come through a relationship with God. It's going to come through stuff and acquiring things. And, you know, this is how you can elevate yourself by having more than your next door neighbor, the fancier car, the, you know, the trips, whatever it is that, that excites you, you know? Um, yeah, I, and, I, and I mean, now I feel like we're even more in, like, it's funny because they shifted where marketing goes because people aren't really watching regular TV as much as they're streaming and so forth. But honestly, that has opened the door for us to being even more bombarded. I think with, you know, you need this, your life would be better with this. You, you just get as much as you can and wealth equals success and wealth, wealth equals happiness. And well, you know, and we're constantly being sent this message 
Um, I mean, and we're actually going to get into a little bit more of the discontent part because it flows right into it, of course, but just get all that you can get. And I was laughing a little bit yesterday because I was listening to somebody talk about um, how minimalism changed their life. So there is a movement of, of having less stuff, which is funny. But, um, and, and, and some of those people are Christians and some of them are not, but it is funny that, I mean, I think that's, you know, still God's spirit within of, of, of saying this stuff <laughs> didn't bring you the happiness that you thought it would. And yeah. Like one of the first verses I even put was about guarding against being covetous that your life does not consist in abundant in abundance of possessions. Like you're you're not, your life isn't going to mean more because you have more stuff. Um, right. That's Luke uh, 12, 15. And of course, you know, when I reference, you probably reference this a lot too, about not storing your treasures in heaven, Matthew 6, 19 through 20, you know, reminds us, you know, that stuff is, is not going to last. I mean, you can't take it with you. It's going to rust. It's the moths are going to eat it. You know, is basically what it says. And you know, that, that stuff doesn't last. What God gives us lasts. And it's, <laughs> it's amazing. So you referenced the Matthew six nineteen through 20, I think it was. So yeah. following up on that is the verse about no one can serve two masters. They can't serve God and mammon. Yes. And that's a paraphrase for sure. But yeah, no. it, it comes down to that, that we're, we're so focused on the things that we can collect here because we, we think that this is, you know, our possessions does equate a better life. Well, are, how are we looking at our lives? Are we looking at an, from an eternal perspective or are we looking from, from this short lived lifespan? I mean, we only have a certain amount of time while we're here. So I think that goes to that verse about storing up your treasures in heaven. I mean, that's where we're going to be for eternity. Why wouldn't we want to focus on the things that bring those treasures in heaven and that minimalistic um, I'm seeing more of that too. It's interesting you brought that up. And I was thinking this morning about, I've had this desire lately just to, you know, we talked about this getting rid of garbage and yeah. kind of just getting rid of clutter. And and then this morning I was thinking about wanting to get healthier and do more exercise and just stretch. And like, you know, it's interesting to me. Like <laughs> we know that what God releases in heaven translates into the natural. Like, okay. So if he's doing all this work on renewing my spirit, how is that? Like, I have this desire to be less rigid and more pliable. Well, that's been my conversation with him. Like, help me. I want to surrender to you. I don't want to push against you. I want to just let you do the work that you're going to do in me. And so I'm thinking how it's funny how that relates to me wanting to be more flexible and, yeah. you know, just just take care of my, um, this vessel that we have here on earth. It's just, and I think that minimalism speaks to that too, is that God is really doing a lot of talking. There's a lot of changes, I think, and people are becoming more and more sensitive and, and cognizant of what's happening in the spiritual, whether they recognize it or not necessarily, but right. I bet you that minimalistic, um, trend is probably, probably yeah. going that direction. And maybe, Maybe that accounts for the fact I looked up some advertising uh, budget stats for banks. I think it was like thirteen point four billion or something. That's just the banking sector because wow. <laughs> it's 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 crazy. And you should look at the total number. And this was in twenty twenty two, the anticipated budget. So it could go over that, of course. But you should look too at the entire like advertising sector, what they intend to spend on ads. And think about your kids and I mean, just the money aspect, 13.4 billion, something like that. It was huge. It was, it was definitely in the billions and I think it was 13. What are they, what are they learning and whether or not they're ready for a car loan or credit cards, they're taking all of this stuff in and, and it is being processed on a subconscious level for sure. Oh, and then some, I mean, my daughter was just telling me the other day, which I, I love that she's newly 
empowered that she's a senior it it cracks me up because you know i told her that she would kind of experience that like you're not going to care what the little sophomores or freshmen or whatever say but we said the other girl the other day this girl was like oh that's so sad that you don't have um you know lululemon you know is it because you're too poor maybe i can buy it for your birthday and my daughter is like (laughs) wow um Okay. She's like, I have a car and I could drive and you're a software. I don't even know what this car is. <laughs> so, um, she's like, I just have different priorities. Um, which I was like, well, good for you. Um, she's like, that's just not that important to me and you know, whatever. But um, and you know, and like if they have Nikes, but they don't have the right Nikes, they've, you know, heard call I'm like, what? what are we doing to our kids? Because honestly, I've seen the patterns that happen as adults. I used to speak sometimes in churches, particularly to moms of young children. And we would talk about, I'm like, stop buying something for your kid. Every time you go to Walmart, that was a big thing that like, I heard all the time. And I'm like, and I'm like, Oh, and they're like, but you know, and I'm like, let me tell you, it's not because you, it's not that I can't provide that for my child let me tell you why I don't provide that for my child because they're going to think every time as an adult, they walk in the store, they have to walk out with something. Right. We are creating patterns of thought in kids really early. And I've seen it. I've seen the aftermath and I'm like, don't, don't do it because what we use, what we did instead when they really wanted stuff and, 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 I'm not saying they don't still have, I mean, when they get their own money, they sometimes, my daughter particularly, sometimes still just, um, it's, we really joke about it burning literally a hole in her pocket. She just got to get rid of it as fast as she can sometimes. But, um, but, you know, we used to say, you know, like, they, oh, I want this so bad. I love it. Well, you have two options. You can, you know, put on your Christmas slash birthday list. That one was when we told them from a very young age. The funny thing about that is most of the time they don't remember it later because they um, didn't want it that bad. It was just a temporary feeling. So we wanted them to get connected with this is a temporary feeling. The things that actually made it to the list were things that they actually really wanted because they really kept, you know, they kept wanting it basically beyond the moment. And so Mm -hmm. we tried to instill that psychological seed of you know and I, and then we're also going to sort of get a little bit into kind of that waiting thing but you know we're trying to put that seed of like you're going to get that moment of rush of like oh I've got to have this and you know learning to not act on that but we the things that we do to to create this precedent to set a precedent that okay every time you go to Walmart you're going to come out with something and we set these expectations and it's just they're not, I don't think it's that difficult for those habits to be broken by any means. It's just a lot of times people just don't recognize what they're doing and they're not thinking long term. Um, and as far as the delayed gratification versus that instant gratification, so our bodies, there is a physiological reaction when we buy something, it releases like dopamines and endorphins. We feel that we do get a sense of a rush, and that's that's where the spirit of self-control really comes into play because, you know, I mean, that's an addict that can become an addiction. People have shopping addictions and they're, they're looking for some way to fill a void and they get that rush when they buy something. And so then and they it's start- only from the moment you're buying it and for right. a few moments while it's new, but afterwards yep. the, the, the stuff isn't where that rush comes from anymore. Yeah. Wow. Sticker shock comes in. Like, why did I, and then, and now remorse. Down, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've got guilt and oh my gosh, what was I doing? What was I thinking? All of these things. So it's a slippery slope for sure. And, and the Bible warns us that, you know, it, it clearly says in Ecclesiastes five ten, whoever loves money will not be satisfied. And it's vanity. It says the two things. So um, but it warns us, you're not going to be satisfied. And how many times have we seen that to be true? I, I've known, I've heard so many stories about how depressed some of the most wealthy people can be. And, um, and yeah, I, it's funny because you, I did have the cancer of God and money. And by the way, that's Luke 14, 13 through 14. But you, you really can kind of see if you really start breaking it down in your head and you go, it's not that God doesn't want us to necessarily have abundance and blessings and so forth. But of course he wants us to be generous. 
We have a moment here where the system just kept shutting us down and I mean it was a true moment of spiritual warfare so it's a little disjointed but we fought pretty hard to get things back on track the best that we can so here's your little brief interruption and explanation. Yeah, I even switched to like my better desktop last week. Um, I don't, I try not to record on the better desktop because it's kind of in a more open area. It's going to echo and possibly like disturb other people, whatever, you know, and, um, or pick up dog barking and so forth. But uh, so I try to record on my desktop, but I even switched to my very speedy, whatever Mac um, M1 desktop thing uh, last week for the, doing the editing when I kept having crashing issues and it still crashed on that. And so, um, like the editing one and it wasn't Riverside. So like there's multiple softwares that are crashing. Like it's weird. Uh -huh. And I'm like, spiritual warfare. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Something right. <laughs> you should just, you know, use what you have and then like put some little, Add some little clip to this and say, hey, guess what, folks? Spiritual warfare is real. Uh, it is. <laughs> I give like a little blurb about what's happening. Like, now we're going to continue. <laughs> yes. So if it's a little weird and choppy, uh, we we're a little under attack. And hopefully we'll be able to continue. But um, <laughs> so we'll just kind of try to pick back up. Um, I know we were talking about that you can't serve uh, God and money was kind of where I was going with that. And because you had referenced that. And we were kind of talking about, you know, not storing your treasures in heaven. And as you were kind of talking, I really, really was getting that image of, of if you really break it down, you know, like, like I was saying, God wants us to have abundance and he wants us to have blessings, but it's also to be generous with others, not hoard it for ourselves, not to have pride right. in things and so forth. And of course the Bible warns that the love of, and this is the most misquoted one, the love of money is the root of all evil in first Timothy six, uh, 10. But you really can start to see like it, you can't really have both things going on. It, they really completely contradict one another. You know, I think you really hit it on the head and I, like you kind of painted that picture. You, you just can't do both. You can't serve two masters. It's, it's totally right. And, and you know, going back to that abundance. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's a lot of folks that, that, there's a lot of people now that are focused on that solely because they think that God yeah. is just going to hand out. St it's like Oprah, you get a car, you get a car, you well, know, there's this yeah. Rub the right. Bible three times. Yeah. And um, I think that, you know, we need to remember we've got, we've talked about budgeting. And so budgeting part of what one, a benefit of that is being able to see opportunities to be a better steward to pay off because when you pay off that debt, now suddenly you have more money to invest. And when you invest, then your wealth grows and your household benefits, but you also bless the kingdom with that as well. So well, it's yeah, definitely find, find opportunities to be generous too. Right. Yeah. And you, I mean, if you think about it as we are vessels, right? So yeah. God is pouring into us and we're supposed to pour out um, so what he gives us, we are to give and th that's completely in opposition to what the world is, is trying to train us and teach us and create these horrendous habits where we're so focused on ourselves. And my mom had this, <laughs> this kid's book, it was called Mr. Grab it. It was about a little bunny rabbit who had to have everything. He wanted five coats and he wanted, you know, 20 bushels of carrots <laughs> and all of these things. But the message at the end of the day was don't be like Mr. Grabbit. You need to share. And ultimately he ended up giving away, you know, his possessions and, and keeping just what he needed for himself. And his life was perfectly, perfectly happy and he was content. So that's at the end of the day. Yes. I firmly believe that God has prosperity and abundance in mind for us and good things, you know, good thing. He works things for the good to those called according to his purpose. However, that verse goes, I, yes. I believe that, but it's, we cannot be hoarders. We cannot, we have to have that generous spirit. He loves a cheerful giver, you know, what's in our heart. Are, are we going to try to grab onto everything and, and store up those, you know, possessions True. here on earth? Or are we going to look toward 
what's waiting for us in eternity and, and testify and go out and show people what God is and how much he loves us. And in Matthew 13, 44 through 46 reminds us that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. He says, it's like a treasure hidden in a field that when it was discovered, it made the man go sell everything to be able to buy that field. And it's not like, again, it's not that God doesn't want you to have certain things, but he's saying, what I have is so good. You would get rid of everything when you really knew what I had basically. And so I think that's a really good reminder. And, and again, like, you know, with the the guy who, um, you know, how do I, how do I basically, you know, get into heaven? How do I follow you? And, and he tells him, you know, follow my commandments. Well, I've done all that. And he's like, okay, now sell everything. And he's like, oh, I can't do that. <laughs> and it wasn't because he, because there were people in Jesus's life that he didn't say that to, but he could see to the heart and he knew that that heart was still so in love with those possessions that it was going to keep him from getting into heaven. And, and, you know, that it's harder for a rich man to, to get into heaven than, than a camel through the eye of a needle because it, it possesses our heart so much that we can't, which I think that leads into, we kind of already touched on it some, but, but I wrote specifically, first I put be content with what you have, but then I wrote to fight for contentment because I think it's even, it's stronger. It's a, it needs a stronger push than just be content, be happy with what you have. It's fight for contentment. And I think it was mm-hmm. really good. It, well, everything that we do, we really, we really have a choice to make when it comes to what our focus is and our, and it is challenging, especially when you're, if you're, if you're doing lots of good for the kingdom, the enemy doesn't want that. He's going to try to interject in as many avenues as possible to get you off track and, and distract you and take your focus away from God. So it is a fight. You're absolutely right. We have to, we have to mindfully choose to be content, to see the blessings, to see the good. But the thing is too, Trisha, I think the more that we start to do that, the more of a habit it becomes, oh, it yeah. becomes, it becomes easier to do it. I mean, we're always going to be challenged. We always, we will always have to, to be mindful of that, but it, it's the more you practice, it's just like anything else. The more you practice looking for the good and the provision and the blessings in your life, the more that you'll see them. Yes. It just really has to be intentional. And like, if you're in a, well, and it's really important to recognize and, and and this is why particularly like, like you said, it's a continual thing, but yes, it gets a whole lot easier when we develop certain paths. If we're on one path, we've developed a rut because we've gone back and forth on that so many pa- that so many times. But we can develop a new path. It's a little harder at first, but it gets easier and easier and easier. But it's really important for us to recognize the world really wants us to be discontent. If you really look at if you if you think about that and then go look at social media, mm-hmm. go watch any kind of ads, watch YouTube's that the ads that pop up there, everything that's going to come up if you really think about it, and, and there's, I mean, I, I took marketing in school. That <laughs> is the point it is to lead you to be discontent. That shampoo you've been using is terrible. This is what you need. Right. That car that you had, it's old. It doesn't have this new feature. You need this one. You deserve it. You deserve it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um. You know, in Hebrews 13, 15 says that we're to lead a life free of the love of money and being content for um, what you have. And I almost left this part off, but it says, for he has said, I will never leave or forsake you. And I I was like, wait, no, that's, that's actually key because he's saying, don't worry about all that other stuff. You have him Mm -hmm. and he's never going to leave you. The other stuff in, in, (laughs) trust me, in one hurricane it can all be gone. It, mm-hmm. you know, wiped off the face of the earth in an instant. It could all burn up. But if our focus is on him, he, it says, you know, he will never leave or forsake you. He is what is lasting. And then second Corinthians 12, nine through 10 reminds us that his grace is sufficient. And, and those two go together too. Like his grace is sufficient for you. That's enough for you. And to be, you know, that leads us to being content in hardships and weaknesses and all these other things. So, yeah, I mean, we we have to draw ourselves like, what is important? What what master are we serving? I guess. Um, 
And I would challenge someone who, and this is coming from a personal perspective, I would challenge anyone who is having concerns, you know, about provision, about finances, about having enough to pay things off to, you know, to pay your utilities and all of these things. I would challenge you to think about your life, look back on your life. And even, especially even those times when you were not walking anywhere near God, I mean, he he was always there, but you weren't looking at him. You weren't looking for him. And even in those circumstances, he always has taken care of us always. So yeah, it's, it's very, it's very it's hard. I think a lot of people struggle, myself included, with you you look around and you hear what the world says and you but you know the truth. And the truth says have faith. I'm here. I'm never going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. You're good. I know every hair on your head. You're good. Yeah. You know, it, it goes back to what you were saying earlier about being intentional with our thoughts about fighting for that desire to focus on on you know the abundance and the goodness. And it's funny you said that because like the, the next verse I had written down was the Philippians 4, 19 about the God will supply our needs according to his riches and glory and, and so forth in Christ Jesus. But um, it's, it, he supplies our needs. Now that's not once. It doesn't mean he doesn't give us our wants, but the focus is on needs. He supplies what we need and it's usually when we need it. It's not always way ahead of time. But right. we have to learn to kind of let that go, that he shows up in the nick of time. So many times in my life, it's not, I mean, I, I worry maybe a little bit about it. Um, and I'm like, I hope, you know, I'm going to trust he's shown up this much. So I'll just like, just like when, you know, they messed up my husband's first paycheck for a couple of weeks. And, and yet right when we needed it over and over and over again, this was covered, this was covered. And I, I mean, it was, it was tremendous, but it was an exercise in trusting God of, you know, and it wasn't that we didn't have savings. So, you know, we, we were wise to that, but I didn't want to dip into savings, but he covered, um, you know, this medical bill showed up or the, it was time to pay the electrical bill and, and the money just kept trickling in right when we needed it. And sometimes that's how it shows up. And I, and I have seen budgets. Uh, most people, when I've looked at their budget with them have, I'm, I'm like, I, I see where you can move things basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have run into people who I look at their budget and I'm like, um, this budget right here, there's, there's really not much you can do. Like you can go and shop the insurance. You can, can do a couple other things, but you are kind of stretched. So we, but it's not the end all. And, um, and some of, a lot of that, it does tend to accompany debt. Um, it's usually the bigger issue because it's not like they can't afford their basic needs. They can't afford the the wants that they paid for on a credit card generally, or mm-hmm. maybe that really nice car. So they could potentially maybe downgrade some things, but I've seen some really tight budgets, but very rarely, actually, it's usually um, something that could actually, they just, just really not being good stewards with it. Um, yeah. And I, being mindful and and having that desire. I mean, that's half the battle too. So if they're sitting down and having a conversation, um, if they're having a conversation with you about ways that they can improve their budget, improve their ability to save, that's half the battle right there. I mean, God can do a lot with us if we're taking steps forward. And that certainly comes to, comes to play with money as well. And, and I think, you know, the enemy has ideas and he has little schemes and things that he thinks he's, he's going to accomplish, but God always comes in and, you know, there's a lot of strife right now with the inflation, with the economy, with, you know, people are tense and nervous and worried and all of these emotions, but, but perhaps this is an opportunity for all of us to learn how to be at peace and rest and trust in God. I mean, maybe this is instead of being fearful about the unknown and about, you know, what's how, how expensive are things going to get? How much, you know, how much are our taxes going to increase instead of being concerned with that? Maybe this is a great time for us to just sit and think, say, okay, thank you, God. I'm here today. You've provided today. 
I don't need to, I don't need to worry. I'm okay. I'm okay. I know that you have me. Maybe this is an opportunity for us all collectively just to, to course correct and to start focusing on the goodness and his provision. Um, because it is very, it's scary for a lot of people, especially those who have, have no savings, who have never had savings, who've always lived paycheck to paycheck. Um, it's tough for a lot of people. It is. And that's, that's a really good, I love that, that aspect of thinking of it. Like this could be a reset, like, okay, we know this, this could be potentially get worse and worse. We could focus on that. I don't ever recommend that. Um, or we could say, okay, it's time for me to be more diligent with what I have. I'm going to trust God when I don't. So I'm not going to freak out when I look at my budget and it doesn't show what I think it should show, but I'm going to start paying attention. I'm going to start being diligent. I'm going to start making changes to my lifestyle and maybe not go full on minimalist, but I think we all (laughs) could do with less stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we are considered a very abundant nation and, and just stuff has taken over. And so it's, it, it could be like a, a, a reset for us to, to do so much better. And in the end, I think, honestly, we might all walk out surprised and go, actually, I'm so much better for, for having been through all that. And all the things that are really good and really fulfilling in our lives, you know, there's usually a challenge. It's not usually a simple process like, oh, hey, that was fantastic. There's usually a bit of a, you know, you have to put in some work and effort and, you know, it's like an exercise routine. You have, you have to do the work you have to, and maybe that work is just shifting your mindset. Maybe that's because that's hard. It's very hard when you're ingrained with this with this thought that you are in control of everything and you're the one that's supplying your, your wealth and blah, blah, blah. I mean, it, it's hard to make that shift. So maybe that's the work that we have to do and God will, he'll go, he'll come along beside us and he'll help us with that. I think, I think, you know, he knows what's in our hearts. So if we have that true desire, he will work with that for sure. Yes, absolutely. He, that's what he wants for us. And, um, the last one I had, last verse I had for that, um, of course, I guess you could go back also to a little bit in that Philippians four to like 11, 13 about when Paul was not being, you know, content and hunger and so forth and content in all situations. Mm-hmm. That's an important reminder. But um, Romans eight, five through six was uh, like, this is where I think that the key to contentment is um, the, those that live according to the flesh have their mindset on the fleshly desires. Those who live in accordance with the spirit have their mindset on the spirit desires. And then it warns us like the, the mind governed by flesh is death. It's not going to be that eternal life. And, and it leads to just even spiritual death and that mind governed by the spirit. It's, it's life and peace and peace should be what peace and contentment, in my opinion, go completely hand in hand. So that, that, that is the goal. And, and, and I think it's just, like you said, he, he, you step forward, he steps forward. Like you guys come together on it. And, it, and it's collaborative. You don't have to do it on your own, but you know, you're just like kind of take that step and I'm, I'm going to work on contentment and, and, and just trust he will bring you that contentment a hundred percent. And I've, I've seen it in so many situations. And at the end of the day, I mean, we can sit here till we're blue in our faces and tell, tell everybody, all the listeners this, but it really comes down to that personal relationship with God because it's one thing to hear these things and it definitely strengthens our faith, faith to have these conversations and, and to it, it for sure helps. It helps me. It helps me remember when I'm feeling low or blue or worried or whatever the case may be, I come back to these sorts of conversations and then I come back to the truth that's in the word. And that I, you know, that's, that's where it begins. And, um, when you start to spend time there and you really start to, ingest all of that, that information and that knowledge, and it's everything that we need. And it's, that's what's going to get us through in the times of, of little, you know, because that's everything. Yeah. It's food. Yeah. I mean, it really, the Bible was like, you, you need clothes, you need food. <laughs> like, yes. <that's> <laughs> <laughs> we don't want a bunch of naked hungry people walking around but other than that we'll be we'll be okay and and i've had to remind myself of that in in rough times 
and and I'm grateful for the the much better times. But like, what do I like when I've go? You know, I've talked about it before, but going through Katrina and having to stop and go because I didn't know what we really even had. And I'm like, okay, what am I going to basically be devastated if we don't have what's not replaceable? And I worked through it. And like the only thing I could really think of was basically maybe some baby pictures we couldn't really replace. Of course, that has changed so much in this world. Everything's digital. So, but at that time, things were not quite there yet. But that, that was the only, I was like, that's it. That's the only thing that's not replaceable because thank the Lord, you know, my family was with me and we were safe. And, and I was like, you know what? The rest of it doesn't matter. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It's okay. It's all replaceable and it can be all taken away in a moment, but it can all be replaced maybe over time. But, um, and, and sometimes we don't need all of it anyhow. So, yeah. um, of course being content leads to debt and we won't talk too long on that. We might have to do some more talks on debt. Um, and I know we've touched on it before because it's such a big part of things. And, and, and in my opinion, like it doesn't, it's not that the Bible says like, don't do debt necessarily. It's he's constantly warning us. He's warning us the dangers of debt because he knows, of course he knows everything. And, you know, he warns us not to be a slave to the lender. He warns us not to serve two masters. He warns us even, I thought this was interesting. I don't know if I've really caught this before, but he warns us about even putting up security for debts, which is collateral. Uh-huh. Um, in Proverbs yeah. 22, uh, 26. And, and he warns us to pay it back. You know, it's wicked to not pay it back. Um, in, in Psalm 37, 21 and so forth. Um, but of course that discontentment we were just talking about, I think is a hundred percent what leads people to the debt and that's, and, and, and trying to get that rush of love of money, you know, love of those things. They, they're, they don't want to wait. I know somebody told me, somebody pointed out that back in the days, probably of our grandparents, they didn't go out necessarily and buy, get a loan to buy a car. They saved and saved and saved. And now we're trying in our twenties to have what our grandparents had in like their forties. And we think that's better, but is it? (laughs) So, What are your thoughts on, I guess what the world says versus the Bible on, on debt? Well, so the car thing, so Henry Ford, um, he act, he used to allow when he first started producing his, his cars, the model T or whatever model it was, yeah. he would allow, he would allow people to come in and put these cars on layaway and it was interest free. Well, then somebody got the brilliant idea like, Hmm, there's an opportunity for some money making here. And so they started to, they started to lend money on, they, they formed a division within Ford and GMAC came about the same concept was to have this in-house financing for cars. So it's funny because no matter what generation we're talking about, there has always been this like, what the world wants us to be. We, we might have intentions of, of paying off going in and having every, you know, the car's 10,000 bucks, which obviously I'm not using today's numbers, but if the car is 10,000 bucks, we want to come in with 10,000 and buy it free and clear. But then suddenly some sales guy with, you know, big ideas of how much of a bonus he's going to (laughs) get. And, and he's like, oh, well, hey, why don't you put some of that in your pocket and we'll just finance five for you, whatever the case may be. It's it's so easy to go into debt because at the end of the day, you know, we the world is just focused on money. I think everything. How many times have you heard the phrase, follow the money, follow the money, follow the money? Uh-huh. It's because there's truth to that. Yeah, there's truth to that. I mean, it says in the Bible, the love of money, <laughs> because it's something I mean, the, the guards at the tomb were bribed. True. That's true. So the enemy has always loved using money to try to trick us. And and he can't he can't produce anything. It doesn't belong to him. I think no. it's in Haggai. Somewhere in Haggai 2 8, maybe don't, I'm not 100% on that, but it Just says read the whole thing, it'll be better. <laughs> the, right. Yes. The, the gold is mine, the silver is mine. 
That's God speaking. Everything is his. Well, the enemy can't create anything. He can't produce anything. So he's got to steal it. So if we're, if we're made free, when we accept Jesus as our savior and he pays our price and breaks us out of bondage, then the only way that we can go back in is if we waltz right into it again, which is a form, which is debt. And it's, I'm hopeful that people will start to look at debt as not just an end to a means and just, a, you know, write a passage or whatever, but there's so much more to it. There's so many more layers to it. And money is at the heart of a lot of our trouble, fear, money and, and fear together. Is the number one reason people get divorced. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Money is often the cause related to suicide. Yeah. Um, money affects a lot. And, and I think you, you hit on one thing that kind of was in my head of that debt has become so normalized. I remember my husband told me that a car salesman, like the first time he ever, cause he had always bought his cars cash for the longest time. And the first time he bought a car, he, he was a little tr- like on uh, financed it. it. It bothered him a lot. He probably should have st- stuck with it, but he <laughs> wanted something more reliable. And that's what was in his means. And of course they, I mean, and now like in my lifetime, now I've seen cars start to cost what car, what houses cost in my lifetime, which is crazy. But, and there's no way the majority of people can be affording that without some serious debt. But he was told by the salesman, you know, basically get comfortable having a car, car note. You're always going to have a car note. And I was like, Mm -hmm. what? Which, you know, um, and we, we are at least are afraid of the mortgage and, and hopefully soon of, of having a car note um, and so forth. So I'm like that, that normalizing, you know, and, and sometimes like when I'm like, no, I don't want to apply for that store credit card. And they're like, but you'll get 15% off. And I'm like, and then pay 40%. I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, so, <laughs> um, and they're shocked. And, and because it has become so normalized, but I just want to say take a moment and say this. I make notes on what kind of what my gist of what I want to talk about, but I don't rehearse it with Sarah. And I just want to say like one of the last things I wrote in the debt, which is just so like, this just shows to me how like, it's not just that we're like in sync. This is like God's hand on the whole thing. I wrote Jesus came so that we can be free and he wants us to be generous. So, and that's exactly what you just touched on. It's, it's freedom. That's what God wants. And that's exactly what the enemy, of course, does not want. So if Jesus freed us with our sins, then the enemy immediately is like, well, let me see how I can, you know, steal their freedom back. And that is honestly where debt comes in. Mm-hmm. And if if we're in bondage with debt, which it says that we are, and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I certainly can see see it that that slaves to the lender, it's a warning. Like you, you will... It, it will affect, well, we can't, you know, leave this horrible job. We can't do these things we want to do. We can't be generous because we've got these debts to pay. Right. And, and like I said, most of the time when I've looked at budgets that had no wiggle room and it was because of debt. And so I just thought that was just over and over again. It's just funny because our minds go the same place. So to me, that shows that God is, is governing this whole podcast for sure. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I mean it's true and and also when you start to recognize that 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 is the truth and it means it means so much our freedom is so important and you're like oh my gosh look at all the things I'm doing that I shouldn't be I can make some changes and just imagine just imagine what I can do for the kingdom. Cause I think at the end of the day too, that's the enemy. He wants to just completely, he wants us to get so far down in a hole that we're not thinking about anything except how to get out. And we're certainly not thinking about how we can be, how we can be good stewards for God and, and what we can do to give back and uplift people and encourage people. And, you know, so He's a tricky one, but we've got we've got oh, yeah. all the tools that we need. <laughs> I always say, I always say, if it looked like a devil popping up on your shoulder, you know, we'd be a whole lot easier to be wise to it. If, it, it it's <laughs> it, it's only tempting because he's really good at what he does. Really, really <laughs> good at the lies. Yep, absolutely. Um, so, leading into the last one I wrote down for today, and I know we've really squeezed some stuff in here, but I think that I really felt like kind of one led to another, led to another, led to another. And that's why I did it that way. Um, so the last would be the generosity, just like what you said of furthering the kingdom. 
What do you think the world feels about generosity? Oh, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. And I don't mean this, to, I don't mean this to sound cynical. Sometimes I just wonder what is at the heart of, I don't know, Trisha, how to answer that really. Um, because I, mean, I, I feel like it's very, I feel like the world, it tends to be like, be like, so it's very self-serving. Like I've had people yeah. say to me, you just do things for others so that you feel good. It's, it's selfish really. And I'm like, are you, are you, did you just read my mind? <laughs> <laughs> that was that part. I'm like, I don't want to be cynical, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. The world so- I, mean, I have, I have literally been told that by people who were not believers and I'm yeah. like, I'm like, yeah. I think that's sad that you feel that way. And I'll, I'll, I'll say, I'll share this story because it is one of my favorite stories about generosity. I, you know, grew up poor. And when I was, I think probably around 12, up until that point, at best, we had probably maybe one small toy under the Christmas tree my whole life. Maybe it'd be like a Barbie. Um, you know, I asked for things like, like I wanted a cabbage patch for years and years oh and years yeah. and, and eventually Me had too. what's that? Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I got a homemade version that my aunt made for me. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <It was yeah. laughs> I did finally get one when they were like pretty much phased out and like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you were um, 20 when you finally got that cabbage patch. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. I actually did in my thirties, one of my really good friends found out that I never had a pair of jellies. And when they came back out for a little while, uh, she felt so bad that I didn't have a pair of jelly shoes in my entire life. since so she bought me oh. my first pair at like 30. It was so sweet, but I was like, Oh, these are horrible. No one, <laughs> I'm glad I never had them. They're very uncomfortable. <laughs> I know. I love that though, that she did that. <laughs> it was so sweet. Yeah. And, um, so we got, we had family of five and, you know, we were really like kind of used to wear socks and things like that at Christmas time. And, um, but we did get, um, like, you know, I don't know, angel, like angel tree sponsor, whatever. I don't know. It was like one of those, Oh, I forget what it was called. It was like Christian youth something, um, in the school and they somehow found like decided to sponsor our family. But you know, and not all of it was even new, but if you had a clue what it meant for other people to to do that for you, it was huge. So for the first time in my whole, well, really the only time in my entire life, we had a tree full of presents and, and I felt so loved and not, it wasn't a material thing. It was just like someone cared enough. If that right. Makes sense. And, and it meant a lot. And it led and made a lasting impression that like, that is the face and hands of Jesus for sure. Um, it, of course, it's not just supposed to be at Christmas time. We're supposed to do it all the time and look for those ways. But I made a commitment that I was going to try to do that every Christmas in some form or fashion, um, even when it was a little tight when I was, you know, kind of newly an adult. And um, so we had this um, opportunity, we did this big um, angel tree sponsor, we were given some funds to shop, which was cool. But then a lot of us put our own funds in to to sponsor that many more kids, we ended up sponsoring 4000 kids. Oh, wow. In a, in a, in a business that had about maybe 60 people at most. So oh, I think that's pretty Oh my gosh. Yeah, we, we did tremendous. It was really cool what we were able to do. But so my husband, and, and this is not to like, bad mouth my husband at all but at the time we were like I said we were, he was my fiance and he was like I don't I don't get this like I like this is a waste of money why are you spending on someone else he just really didn't get it and I was like how do I explain this to someone like because I'm like I don't do it just to feel good I don't know how to explain that to someone it feels good but that's just not it it's just we're spurred by our spirit when we're in the Lord. And I, I don't know. And I said, and the other thing is, I said, this is not why I do it, but it's just that reminder for people, I guess, who are uncomfortable with it. It tends to come back to you many folds later. Mm-hmm. And um, so he got arrived that day, but he helped me shop for the <laughs> these kids' wishes and so forth. And um, the that was on the weekend. I went into work on Monday. And I was sitting there in a supervisor meeting and they had a phone call that was interrupted. And, um, basically I had driven quite a few times this, um, we had like a van pool 
to help people because like parking where we were at was a tough thing. So they would park further away and I would drive this big, which is a miracle. I could drive this big van, but <laughs> I drove this big van full of people. I didn't have a clue, but apparently every time we drove that, they never told me that, that we were being put in for this drawing and I'm not really a lucky person or anything like that. I don't win things all the time. My son does, but I've never been that person. And apparently every time we didn't have an accident, our name was put in this drawing they drew my name that very next Monday morning and I won a $200 gift card um, for the mall. And I was like, oh, let's see $200, but we were newly engaged and we needed wedding bands. So um, I was like, well, we can put that towards that. I was already kind of blown away. I was like, see, see, look at what happened. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is more than what I just put out. And, and I had no clue that we were going to win that. And it, I don't feel like God did that for me. I felt like God did that for him. So yeah. he could understand the generosity. And so when we went to buy our wedding bands, we, he, because he had bought my um, engagement ring there, he had like these uh, kind of dollars, like you had to spend money to do it. Like, but it basically made it like 50% off kind of thing. And, um, and then, so I had that gift card and then I don't even know what the salesperson did, but in the end we walked away with like, I think it was about $1,200 what it should have been in wedding bands um, because one of mine had like diamonds that went with my engagement ring. And um, we paid less. I think we paid $150 out of pocket. <laughs> That's amazing. It didn't even make sense. But I was like, look at what he did right afterwards. And uh, like I said, I really feel like it helped him have a more generous spirit. Uh-huh. And, and so that's not why we do it, but look at how, like he, he rewards it. He recognizes it. He shows up when he needs to. And, um, and, and yeah, I mean, he, like my husband was very cynical about it when I first met him. So he is definitely changed. <laughs> so. I love that. Well, you know, it's unfortunate because, you know, there's a lot of people that stand on the corner and shout and, you know, condemn condemn others who look at how awesome I am. Look at, look at what I'm doing for the Lord. And, and they're really leaving a bad taste in people's mouths. And, but then who are the ones that are doing things quietly without hope of recognition? And they're, they're not seen by people maybe, but God sees them. And at the end of the day, he always, he always knows he always knows. And I just love it when he does things like that to, and it's funny. This sounds so ridiculous. And, and sometimes I'm just blown away by like very basic concepts that you would think I would have, you know, gotten years ago, but no, I get it. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I, I, was, I was at the store the uh, and long story short, I was, uh, it just occurred to me. It, it was like a light bulb went on like, huh? I guess sometimes the things that I do that God has me do that don't really seem to make sense, maybe it's for somebody else's benefit. <laughs> like, maybe it's because they want, you know, they they need to see something. It's like, because I had tried to do something and it didn't work out. And I'm like, why, how come that didn't, why, why didn't you want me to do this for this person? And then I was walking out and I'm like, oh, oh, it's not all about me. <laughs> conversation with the kids no I get no trust me we all have these little moments of like oh I don't always see what happens or why and you know I have you know sometimes walked by you know someone begging for change and occasionally I have like thrown a dollar in or something like that and you know I think the kids I don't remember what it was like one time I was like in Atlanta and I just um and, and really knew that this story that this lady, she's like, I'm pregnant I'm homeless and I just need a dollar. And I'm just like, I know this story is a little far-fetched or whatever. I just felt it. But, but then the God, then God said, give her a dollar. And I was like, okay. And I explained to the kids, I'm like, I don't always do it. I do it when I'm moved. when he tells mm -hmm. me to, even when it doesn't make sense, because it's not about me, right. it's about whatever his kingdom. So sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it doesn't make, it doesn't make sense for me. Like, why didn't I do like, why didn't I feel compelled to do those things? Or why didn't I have the? Maybe I didn't have the cash. I was willing to, but I didn't have it and I had no way to do it. And I'm like, 
I don't understand why I wasn't supposed to do it then. And this one doesn't make any sense, but then I am supposed to do it. And, you know, I, I just try to let the spirit lead me. Mm-hmm. How, however, and, and there's so many people who've been cynical of like, oh, you know, that they just spend their money this way, you know, that way, you know, you hear it. And I'm like, that's not for me to judge. Right. I don't know what his reasons or purpose is. I, I'm, I don't own this money, so I, I, I don't care. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's been my take too, is, is what they do with the money at the end of the day is on them. I, I was obedient. I did what I was supposed to do. And it's not like I've been willy nilly and carefree with what he's given me in the past. You know, it's, yeah. I've never been perfect with, with the money he's given me and, and the provisions. And I look back sometimes I'm like, Oh my gosh, if only it had had this mindset that I have today, like 20 years ago, Oh, you know, all of us. Oh sure. my gosh. Yeah. So always, we always are better tomorrow than we will be today. Oh um, yes. I hope. Thank goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness. <laughs> well, and you know, and, and again, you know, he, he, he returns back to us in ways and it's not always like, it's not always be dollar for dollar. I tell people like that story, like, look, that's not how it's always going to look like at all. Um, you know, because I could help somebody today. And then, um, I mean, I've had somebody one time I was, um, let's say I had a new baby. Um, my youngest had just been born. Like he was only a few months old. I had to go get something done on my car and I think it was like an oil change. And I was about at that time was like an hour from home. Oh, I guess I went down to the dealer or something. And I was on my way back and that my tire blew. I had AAA. And because I just really wasn't in the condition to change tire. <laughs> and um, honestly, I'm not the best at changing a tire anyhow. And I have a baby in an infant seat. Um, and of course, I had to pull him out on the side of the road because guess where the um, tire iron is mm-hmm. and I'm calling triple a and they're like, we need a crossroad. I'm like, there is no crossroad. Um, you know, we didn't really have a GPS at that. Well, maybe we sort of did, but this was low tech back then. You couldn't go back there. Like I'm literally, there's no crossroad and they would not send someone to me. I'm like, look, if they are just like, I know the last road I remember sort of seeing was this and, but it was a ways back. And if they get to that point and they just drive on, they'll find me. I'm on the side of the road. They can't miss me. <laughs> they would not dispatch them. Wow. I'm on the phone this this entire time. This guy pulls up from um, like DOT and um, I'm like, well, I'm on the phone with um, AAA and he's just like, okay, where's your tire jack? He's like, uh-huh. And, <laughs> and um, <laughs> he just starts changing my tire without me saying a word. I'm on the phone with AAA the whole time. AAA never even dispatched someone by the time he got my tire back on and on the road. Wow. And so um, I've never forgotten that angel. I'm like, you have no idea how much that meant to me at that moment. And um, so it could even be that he restores us that way. But he says, you know, in Luke 6, 38, that, you know, basically it'll be returned to us. Like it says, like, I've always heard this verse, but I was really trying to picture it yesterday. Um, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, poured into the lap, uh, pouring into your lap. And I was like trying to picture that. And I was like kind of laughing at this analogy, but I was, I was trying to like divvy up some leftovers. So like my husband could take it to work and all this other stuff. And, <laughs> but I like, had it was, it was like too much to go in that container, but too much to get another or too little to get another container at that point. And that's not the picture, but I'm like shaking it trying to get more <laughs> in it, pushing the lid down, spilling <laughs> over. I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like that, but that's what he's saying. Like it, it may not look dollar for dollar when we do it, but, but it's going to come back to you. That's not why we do it, but, but he does. And, and then Proverbs eleven twenty five, And I think this is the biggest key is that generosity will prosper. Whoever refresh, well, generosity will prosper, but I really like this part. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Oh, that sounds so nice. Refreshing. Uh, I mean, who doesn't need to be refreshed? Yeah. I think that's the key is like, and it, ref- and it's again, it's not a pride thing. It's a refreshing of your soul and your spirit. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, this is why we exist. It's not all about the stuff. It's not all about the pride. It's not all about, you know, we're doing it in quiet and secret. We're not doing it for accolades at all. And, um, it just 
I mean, who doesn't need to be refreshed? What verse was that again, Trisha? It's Proverbs 11, uh, 25. Okay, I'm writing that down. I really like that concept of being refreshed. <laughs> that must speak to my soul in some way. I love when I find these verses that I'm like, I'm sh- I know I've read these things. I mean, I just went through reading. All- I'm, I'm still working through all of Psalms, but I, I'm like going through all of Psalms and Proverbs. I'm like, I know I've read Proverbs 11. How, how do you miss something? How many times? I don't know. But uh, yeah, I, I really think that that's, it's probably a good way for us to sort of wrap it up of, of just, what do you really want your, you know, your spirit to be like, your, your feelings to feel like, because we already discussed that the, the rushes that we get in replacing and getting new things and acquiring stuff, it's all fleeting. We've all seen the lottery winners that spend their money super fast because they got all this money and, um, and then they have nothing but discontent. <laughs> so mm-hmm. um, whether they've left, they've left themselves with nothing or even the ones that still did, they, it, it, money just doesn't buy happiness. It really doesn't. It's, it's not just, everything. It's as simple as that. It doesn't buy happiness. And we're told if, if you start to listen to phrases and word choices, and we are told every day, we, Money doesn't buy happiness. All you have to do is look, you just have to look around you to see they're only, the only satisfaction that you're ever going to get is the relationship that you have with God. And, and that's, that's all it is. And I love that you pulled that verse about the hidden treasures in the field and the guy that sells everything. That is one of my favorites. Cause I can just imagine myself in that position be like, Oh my gosh, this is fantastic. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> I, I, I love that picture. And, and I think that that's where we want to be that, you know, it's hard because we can't see it. And that's, you know, that's why it's a treasure hidden in the field because it's mm-hmm. something we can't see, but we have to know in our spirit and our heart and everything else that it is that good, that mm-hmm. you're not going to care about the stuff in the, at the end at all. Absolutely. All right. I guess that that will wrap us up. I appreciate you coming in again, Sarah, with all your wisdom. I mean, you always come in with so much great, great things to share. And it's always amazing again to see God work between the two of us, (laughs) even when we have little moments of spiritual warfare. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, I love this. I always look forward to this time. And it's amazing what comes of it. And, you know, I, I think about our conversations for several days after the fact. So it's always good stuff. I appreciate you having me. I appreciate it so much, Sarah. Um, And for our listeners, thank you again for tuning in. We really appreciate you and we will be praying for you. Have a very blessed week. See you next time. Mm -hmm.